Welcome to a very special episode of Slut Radio. This is Mama J, and I thank you for giving me your time today. This episode is a little longer than my uh, my Virgin podcast was, and I've got another one in the making for you that I should be releasing very soon. It's about 25 minutes long. So this one is, a li- like I said, it's kind of special. It's about depression. It's about my own depression. And um, I apologize for all the ums that you're going to hear. I apologize for the dead air. I apologize for the crying. I apologize for the snuffling that I do. Uh, But I left it in there because it was real. I guess that's all that needs to be said. I'd also like to dedicate this episode. I didn't do that the first time, and I, I will probably not do it again. got word last night that my ex-mother-in-law passed away, and I mentioned her in this episode. Um, so, Mama, you were a hell of a cook. Um, you'll be missed. And with that, I give you Black Friday. Today is Black Friday. What does that mean? Well, it means a lot of different things to me. I used to work in retail. I try never to be one of those people. I know a lot of people can find really good bargains and so on and so forth. That's fine. If that's you, that's fine. Um, It's been a long enough time that I've worked in retail that I can forgive you if you want to be one of those Black Friday shoppers. I do want to say this is Slut Radio. Welcome. Welcome back. I hope I do have some listeners at this point. Today's episode is, I don't even know if I'm going to release it, if I do, when I'm going to release it. But the date is is an important thing. Today's episode is not going to be about sex. It's going to have some sex uh, things kind of sprinkled in there, as any talk with me would. But today's episode, today's podcast, okay, are we ready? Drum roll, please. You know, we're, we're quoting Christmas Vacation here. Okay, no. Today's episode is about depression. And... I have to start off by saying I am not a licensed professional. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. I, I don't do any work with depressed people, clinically or otherwise. But here's my caveat. I suffer from depression. Now, that sounds like uh, that sounds like an opening, but if you feel like after listening to me talk about some of my symptoms and some of my uh, problems, because boy do I have them, if you feel like you want to talk to somebody, I highly recommend it. I have a wonderful psychiatrist who gives me the meds that I need to cope with my depression and she has worked with me wonderfully. I I have a very honest and open relationship with her. I tell her when things are working for me, when I kind of get wonky, and maybe we can change my meds around. So I I do recommend that if you are having any any depressive issues at all, any, even if it's uh, a temporary depression, I, I urge you to talk to a professional about it and see if you need medicine, to see if you need therapy, to see if you need help. And there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that. I don't have any notes written. I don't have any highlight, you know, bullet points to hit. So this is going to be kind of a, a meandering uh, little little path of mine. I'm going to talk to you about my depression and some of the things that I do and can do, and some of the things that I experience with it. And one of the reasons that I'm doing that is it is Black Friday. And many of you know, or some of you, hell, I don't know, I may have one listener at this point, so maybe you do or do not know, I am divorced. I was married for a lot of years. I have an adult child. When my husband decided he wanted a divorce because it was it was his decision 
uh, I thought that we were happy. Um, I had already been in some what I call situational depression, and I don't even know that may be the clinically correct term for it. I don't know. But situational depression, uh, to me, I, I don't have a dictionary here in front of me. I, don't, I put my phone aside. But to me, situational depression is something like you've gotten a bad grade in school um, and your parents are mad at you. you. You, Your significant other has broken up with you. Um, your pet has died. You have a loved one who has died. All of these things fit the mold for what I call situational depression, which means that something has made you sad. Okay, that's simple enough. And in cases like that, um, I, I hear the, the term, choose happy, be happy, which is fine. In situational depression, that is, uh, it's something that can be done eventually. I know that I have, I've lost loved ones. I have lost pets. I've had people break up with me. You know, I've, I've had the husband ask me for the divorce. I've been through situational depression. And that is something that, let's say in the event, I, I will never forget when we had to have our dog put down. It was the very first pet that I had lost as an adult. And we had to, my husband and I had to make the decision. Uh, he was doing very poorly. He had cancer. He was very uncomfortable. His quality of life was not good. And see, that's, I'm starting to cry just thinking about it. Um, and that's been a very, 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 very long time ago. But it's still, remembering that still has the power to put me in that sad place. Now, I have moved on with life. Uh, we have had another dog, and we've had to put her down, too. She had a, a different illness, um, but it was much the same, I guess. So I have lost pets who suddenly died. Um, I had a cat that had a heart attack, and I was the one who found him. We know he had a heart attack because my husband wanted to know how he died, so he had an autopsy done. And poor little poor my poor boo-boo kitty just had a heart attack anyway situational depression is depression it's true depression it, it it makes you sad it makes you cry it creates chemical changes in your body you don't want to eat you don't want to go out and do things but eventually you hit a rebound and you start you know to go back into yourself as it were you start becoming the you that you know and love or the you that other people are familiar with even though now you have this sad part of you that's you're always going to have this sadness with you and that's how life is but actual depression um is a little bit different than that from what I have been able to ascertain on my own. Um, this did come on, like I said, I was already experiencing some situational depression because uh, my daughter, our daughter, was getting, she was in college, and yeah, my husband waited a long ass time to ask me for a divorce. Are you kidding me? So anyway, so I was experiencing some situational depression, daughter going away to school. This is after the, the, the dog and the cat. They both, we had to have one of the dogs put down and then the cat had a heart attack like a week later. And then this was right before Christmas. And it was just, it was all a very ugly thing. And I think a lot of these things happening to me at one time was a springboard into this huge abyss. Nothing good is in that abyss. I can tell you that. I, I don't even know really how to describe it yet. In fact, I don't know that I'm ready quite to describe it. But the uh, I know from my own experience, having the situational depression, I feel like made it easier for me to go down into the abyss into what I call the black. Um, and I'll tell you why I call that here in a few minutes. 
the situational depression that I was already experiencing, I do believe heaped up on top of me until it was almost as if I were buried in situational depression. And I can tell you now that, no, I'm not over my pets dying. You never get over that. But I have moved on from it. I now, instead of looking back at sad memories of my pets dying or finding my poor cat after he had his heart attack, you know, instead of those things, I'm able to remember um, <laughs> teaching the dog how to go potty, watching her attack bushes when she was a puppy, you know, happy things like that. I have those happy memories. I have those happy memories of my cat, you know, all the pets that I've lost over the years. I am able to put that into another light. I, I like I said, I still have the sadness because those pets, the people that I've lost aren't with me. So my memories of them have stopped. I've stopped making the new memories with these people, with these pets, with whatever. But I still have the good ones. I still have the good ones that I can see and hold on to. And that's one of the differences between situational depression and what I call the black. The situational depression, you will come out of it eventually and you'll be a new person you'll be a different person but you'll be the same person if that makes sense you'll just like I said you've got this experience under your belt and no matter what it was it will change you I uh trying to gather my thoughts like I said I don't have any um note cards I don't have any ideas written down I I don't have anything I'm just kind of winging this and this is the reason why Yesterday was Thanksgiving. Okay, today is Black Friday. And you're going to hear a lot of statistics. I don't know statistics on depression. I don't care about statistics on depression, to be quite honest. I know that I have depression. I suffer greatly with depression. Um, depression at times has run my life for me, has made my decisions for me. And I can tell you, that's not a good place to be. When you let depression drive your decision making and you're, you're just not going to come into a really good place. Um, so anyway, I'm digressing again. I, I apologize for that. Um, so yesterday was Thanksgiving. I'm divorced. I no longer have to do the big Thanksgiving with my ex-husband's family. Um, so that's Okay. That was always kind of a stressor for me anyway. Um, we always, we always, me and the husband and the daughter, we always did manage to find a good time though. We would um, talk about some of the things that happened and some of the conversations that perhaps we did not agree with, as always happens in any family gathering. You tell me I'm wrong. Um, so I didn't have that. Uh, my daughter had let me know that she had plans and wanted to know if she should go ahead and make plans with me, she and her significant other. And I said, you do what you want to do because this is your Thanksgiving and then let me know what you are going to do and I'll do my own thing or I'll join you or what have you. Okay, so there's that. Then I have my, my extended family, my mother, my stepdad, and my sister are down in Florida. Now, this is the year of COVID. I have been around people who have roommates who have tested, who, who have COVID. My mom and my stepdad will just say they are in a category that I need to be watching out for their health. So I did not go to Florida for Thanksgiving. And that's okay. I decided... I wanted to go to Cracker Barrel for my Thanksgiving dinner because I like Cracker Barrel's Thanksgiving dinner. It's really good. It's very reminiscent of, let me tell you, my ex-mother-in-law, oh my God, that woman can cook. So Thanksgiving with the family there set a really high standard food-wise for me. And Cracker Barrel comes close. So I said, okay. You know, my daughter is going off and doing her thing. 
I, that's, that's fine. We had a Friendsgiving a week ago at, uh, my, my best male friend's house. And there were so many people there. The fellowship was amazing. We had a funny story. The sink backed up. I'll have him on here and have him tell that story one time. Have him on a, a Budcast, maybe. Because uh, it it's, it's a funny Friendsgiving slash Thanksgiving story. And um, so yesterday I decided, okay, I can be by myself. I've, I've eaten in restaurants by myself before. Not a problem. And I was telling a friend of mine what I was going to do. And I should have known when I started feeling off about this that something was going to happen. But I didn't know. I don't listen to myself. Let me tell you, let me tell you first, I have never in my entire life since I remember being able to drive and go out to get food by myself in a car I have never had a problem sitting down in a restaurant, a fast food restaurant, a, a sit down restaurant. I've never had a problem sitting down somewhere by myself and eating. Never. But my friend said something to me. I don't even know what it was. It was just a throwaway comment about me being crazy or, you know, having dinner by myself or maybe. I, I don't even know. I can't remember what it was. But I remember feeling odd. And if I had been smart, I would have just gotten my meal to go and come back home and eaten it. Because the entire time, um, I felt conspicuous. I felt like everyone was staring at me. I felt out of place. I felt stupid. I felt like a loser. Now... All of that stuff is not enough to say, oh, well, she's depressed. No, no, it's not. And, um, and I know that. But, like I said, I've never had a problem going anywhere to eat by myself. The things that were going through my head were the signs of depression. Because in me, what I have noticed, I have absurd amounts of self-confidence, usually. And depression, it is very sly, sneaky, insidious. I, it, it, it does. It sneaks up on you and it, it undermines everything that you believe in. And it undermines your self-confidence. The, any that you have. I mean, and I, like I said, I have massive amounts of self-confidence. Anybody who knows me can back that up. Um, and for me to have all this wallowing and self-doubt and self-pity, which I hate, for me to have that, I realized as I was uh, paying, and yes, I left my server a very, very generous tip. He was very nice. It was Thanksgiving. I was thankful for Cracker Barrel being open because um, I didn't have to cook anything for me. And I got to have Thanksgiving dinner. Yay! So yes, I left him a tip. He was very, very nice young man. The Everyone who worked there was just so... Shout out to Cracker Barrel... In Alcoa, Tennessee, they had the best staff on staff yesterday. They uh, they made sure everybody was taken care of. And I tell you, the, uh, the mood that I was in yesterday when I left, I really, really appreciated being taken such good care of. Um, so big shout out to Cracker Barrel in Alcoa. So yes, as I was leaving, I realized... Okay, and yet another sign. I like to play Pokemon Go, okay? If anybody wants to, you can friend me. Here's my uh, Pokemon Go number. It is 8174-4408-5874. So if you want to Pokemon Go friend me, that's fine. Um, but I play Pokemon Go. And one of the things that I had said that I was going to do after I went to Cracker Barrel and had my Thanksgiving dinner, I was going to go hit some Pokestops. And I love playing Pokemon. 
playing Pokemon Go anyway. I don't don't play the other Pokemons, but I do play Pokemon Go, and I love playing it. I have a good time playing it. I, don't know. I drive my friends crazy sometimes talking about it. And I did not feel like going to hit any Pokestops yesterday. That should have tipped me off. Again, with the feelings that I was having, the feelings of inadequacy, of being a loser, of being conspicuous, of having every eye on me because I was eating alone. You know, that, all that coupled with the fact that I did not want to go to find any Pokestops that should have let me know right there that, oh, Jamie, you're sliding down that slippery slope toward depression. But nope, I can't, I still can't see it sometimes. I still can't see it sometimes. So last night, after I had Cracker Barrel, I came home and I think, what did I do? I, I honestly can't remember. I, I put my pajamas on. I know I did that. Somewhere along the line, I just put everything aside and I started to cry. And I didn't stop for a couple of hours. And that sounds like a lot, and it is. I'm telling you, my eyes are puffed up today. Uh, the only reason I can breathe through my nose is I've had Benadryl. Yeah, it's still stuffy too. And I'm having a problem today, which is why I decided to make this podcast today. I know there's going to be a lot of dead air and a lot of silence, and I don't know yet whether or not I even want to fix that, because this is me talking to you right now while I'm depressed, and I can tell you how I feel and I can tell you that it's not normal for me. Um, and this is, this is very hard for me. I, I decided earlier today that I wanted to do this podcast. And I needed to do this podcast. But I didn't want to. Because that's another thing that depression does for me, anyway, is it takes away everything that I find joy in. It just makes it, I guess it doesn't take it away because it's still there. I, I, my books are still here. I like to read. I just have no interest. My computer is here. I do want to do a podcast. Eh, I have no interest in doing it. I have my Pokemon Go. I've got other games on my cell phone that I love to play in my spare time. Not interested. What did I do? I basically sat here and stared. And the thoughts that rolled around in my head were terrible. They were absolutely, positively terrible thoughts. The thoughts I had last night when I was sitting here crying were literally thoughts not necessarily of suicide, which I have had before, but how the world would just not miss me if I weren't here or how the world would be in fact a better place without me and I, I made a case for that one I really did um, and I, I don't typically believe these things which is how I know that it's depression like I said I've got I have more self-confidence than is good for me. I, I don't know why. I've been that way most of my life. But depression makes me doubt. Depression makes me doubt myself. Depression makes me 
makes me see myself in a different way. And I don't know because the way I see myself with all this absurd self-confidence, I know that's not a true picture of me, of how people perceive me. Um, I will never know how other people perceive me and that's fine. What depression does to my perception this is going to sound so weird while I have this absurd amount of self-confidence okay um I don't think that most of my life I look at it as all about me now some of it I do because some of it's necessary you know some of it you got to go okay yeah I want this kind of shampoo yeah I want this kind of food yeah I want to live here I want to drive this kind of car. So yes, a lot of yourself has to be around who you are. So you you get a pass on self-centeredness sometimes. But what depression does to me is it makes everything in the world about me. And I know when I say that, it's not coming out right. So I'm going to try and explain that asinine comment. When I was in Cracker Barrel, I was there to have dinner, period, and maybe shop because Cracker Barrel has this lovely little store. If you've never been to Cracker Barrel, it's country eating, uh, you know, uh, comfort food kind of thing. And they've got a little country store attached. They've got a front porch with rocking chairs and checkers, which they don't have the checkers out now because of COVID. But it's, you know, that's what Cracker Barrel is. And when I was at Cracker Barrel yesterday, it was, it was busy. I guess a lot of people were there. I went, I tried to go at an in-between lunch and dinner hour. So I went at about 4.30, I guess. And it was still pretty crowded. And under normal circumstances, that would have been absolutely fine with me. Because the more people in there, the less they're going to look at me. And I, I think that that's a truism. I don't know. But they're going to be carried away with their conversations at their tables, talking about their Thanksgivings, past, present, future, um, enjoying the children because I saw a lot of kids there. That doesn't revolve around me. None of that revolves around me. But the fact that I sat there in that restaurant and I felt like I was being judged by every single person in there and found wanting because I was a pathetic loser who was sitting there eating Thanksgiving dinner in a restaurant by herself. I mean, can you get any more self-centered than that? I guess. I don't know. But that's how I felt. So that's, that's, what, I, that's what I mean when I say depression makes me feel um, self-centered. Or it's all about me. Um, because that's all I can see is my own feelings. It's almost as though what I mean when I, I, I say that my depression makes me feel like all eyes are on me or, or whatever. I just I feel like um, like no matter what I do, somebody's going to notice and comment on it and oh how bad it is and 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 everything that's when I'm out in public and I can't take that so typically when I am going through one of these bouts of depression I don't go out into public I will stay in my house and I will hide that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast while I was still feeling some of the depressive issues that I have uh, is so I can describe them because when I'm not in this depressive state I can't make it understood how bad it is so I'm going to ask your indulgence I'm going to ask for your forgiveness and uh, I'm going to try very hard to convey this because it's important to me and I, I feel like if I can just reach one person just one person out there. Okay, so, um, sorry, I'm getting emotional. So, when I am going through these bouts of depression, 
I typically do not want to go out. I do not want to be around other people because I feel like I'm being judged. I feel like I'm conspicuous. I feel almost like a giant under a spotlight, if that makes any sense, because I just feel like no matter what I do, like I said, somebody's going to comment on it and it's not going to be nice. So I stay home. And when I am going through just a depressive bout, I can stay home and I can read or I can play games on my phone or I can play computer games or I can, you know, I, I can do whatever. I can function when I'm still going through one of these depressive episodes. I don't like emotion um, and I might cry easier at, let's say, a, an emotional commercial comes on um, for Christmas or whatever. Since we're in the holiday season right now, why not use Christmas? So a sentimental Christmas commercial comes on and makes me cry. I get done. I go on with my life. You know, I go back to the, the show that I'm watching or the book that I'm reading or, 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 or whatever. You, you get that idea. But that is what I call a regular depressive episode. It's typically for me, situational depression, something has happened to set me off. I have a totally different um, way of describing my big bouts of depression. And I think, I, I, I honestly can't remember, but I think I have been diagnosed with major depressive disorder. I'm not sure, but I, I think that that's what my psychiatrist uh, told me I had. So when uh, one of these things happens, usually something happens to set it off. I have triggers. And the, the triggers, you, you just don't know what they're going to be sometimes. A lot of things you can, you can look at it and say, okay, let's not talk to Jamie. It's Thanksgiving. Let's not talk to her about her ex-husband. That might not be a good thing because Thanksgiving is all about family. Jamie's family's in Florida. The ex-husband, the daughter, let's not bring that up. Okay, so that's easy and also unnecessary. You don't have to do that if you're my friend. Feel free to talk to me about anything. But when you're talking about the major depressive disorder, something as simple as a misunderstanding can cause me to want to be dead. No, that's not an exaggeration. Um, God, this is really hard. Um, When I get into one of these major depressive disorder things, I have one way I describe it, and it's the most common way for me to describe it. My friends have heard me call it going into the black. Now, if you're an accounting major, well, this means something totally the opposite. Um, it's not... It's not a positive thing at all. Um, going into the black is like going into that abyss that I mentioned earlier. And in the black, there is no light. There's no feeling. Unless it's bad. There is no emotion other than just horrific grief. Nothing makes sense. I'm sorry I'm getting so emotional over this, but this is, this is exactly why I wanted to do this while I was still experiencing it so I can give you an accurate picture, I guess, of what is going through my body my brain, my warped brain, 
Um, because I truly, truly, truly believe that this is a chemical imbalance with me. And I am on antidepressants. And I am on an antidepressant booster. I think you've probably seen commercials for those. Um, and they help. But not enough. The black still breaks through in my life. Excuse me. Um, when I'm in the black like I was last night. And still a little bit today. Um, and it's not just being there emotionally. It's, it feels as if there is a physical restriction on you. Like you feel, I feel heavy, not fat because God knows I am fat, but I feel weighed down, um, it's like, like I imagine trying to move in quicksand would be, or mud. Um, I know what it feels like to be in the ocean or in a pool. And it's, it's very similar to that, except without the buoyant feeling. Because you do get that buoyant feeling because you float. Uh, when you're in salt water or uh, pool water, lake water, whatever, bath water, you, you, you float. So there's a buoyancy, but when you're in the black, or when I'm, I'm sorry, when I'm in the black, because that is what I call this, this, these, these horrible, horrible depressive episodes. I feel weighted down. I mean, physically, it, it hurts me to move. Um... Everything makes me cry. And I, I just used some really good eye cream. <laughs> so I don't want to cry. Excuse me. I'm going to pause and go blow my nose. All right. I'm back. Thank you for uh, putting up with me. I've uh, got my, my tissue now. I can blow my nose and dab at my eyes. Um, but the black. Um, it really, truly feels like my body is immersed in something and it clings to me. And because I was in the black last night, very far in the black last night, and I was, like I said, I cried for about two hours. The day after that, I usually am not quite back in the light yet, back to normal. I kind of, uh, I, it, 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 it's almost like I'm climbing out of the abyss. The black is below the abyss. So I'm kind of in the abyss still, but I'm climbing out of it. But it's almost as though this entity this blackness that has a hold of me. Um, it, it, it's almost like I can feel the smears of it on me, like mud or uh, dirt or soot or something that's not coming off very easily. And it clings to me. And so I'm not out of the black yet. I may be in the abyss. I may be standing on the edge looking down into it. But I, it's still got a hold of me. And I don't know when it's going to grab me and drag me down into it again. That's the thing. One of the things earlier this week... Because this has been a bad week. Usually usually when the black comes to get me, I have a very hard time getting out of it. It, it takes longer and longer. And I need to talk to my doctor about meds. Um, I think it's time to change mine again. Because there is a lot of breakthrough 
depression, just little depression here and there, and um, nobody can be happy 24-7. That, that, to expect that, I don't feel is normal, but to be the old me who could laugh and, you know, cry at a sad movie and then turn around and laugh five minutes later because somebody's, you know, doing something funny, um, that's the me I want to have back. And when I am on antidepressants that work, that's the me that I have. It's when this breakthrough depression comes and breaks through, um, and, and it depends on how bad it gets, then I know I have a problem. So, where am I going with all this? I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. I know I wanted to do a podcast on depression and about my own depression because, like I said, if I can... If I can help one person, even if that one person is just me, um, that'll be okay. Uh, one thing that I've told my friends, I'm sorry, can't seem to stop crying. One of the things that I've told my friends is how much I appreciate their support. And a lot of the time, I don't even talk to them about, because it's not a thing that's bothering me. When it's this bad, it's not work. It's not the ex-husband. It's not the fact that my daughter is gone, you know, grown and gone. Um, I have an empty nest. It's, it's nothing like that. So what I tell my friends is just being there for me and knowing that I have a place in their hearts and in their homes works for me. That's what works for me. Again, I'm sorry. This is very real for me. And this is the first time I've shared it like this. And it's it's scary. It's very scary for me. Uh, anyway. So. I think I need to stop. I'll be back. Okay, I am sorry about that. Um, my emotions are just a little close to the surface today, probably because I'm still still have smudges of the black all over me. Um, anyway, so what are the, some of the what are some of the things that I try to watch out for? And in every single person, depression is going to have different tells. But mine are, I have no interest in the things that constantly interest me. You know, I told you at the beginning of this podcast that we were not going to talk about sex, except for some little sprinklings. Well, here's one of those sprinklings. I love sex. I love just about everything about sex, except the lack of it. Um, I love so much about it, the sounds, the smells, the sights, the touching, all of it. Um, and I'll tell you, when I am having depressive bouts, I still have a sex drive. When I'm in the black, absolutely no interest whatsoever in anything sexual. I don't even make sexual innuendos. Um, in fact, I think it was, uh, last week I was in the black 
and I was over at my friend Miles' house, and he did or said something, and it was, he, he was trying, he was trying to get me to make one of these sexual innuendos that I am, you know, notorious for, and I just wouldn't do it. I had no interest, and he's, he's, he, he was very, very upset, and he was like, you know, what can I do to help make you better, and he, he knew when I didn't respond in my typical way, and that, that was as good as a hug to me, because it, 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 it said to me that, gosh, this person actually knows me, and he he was upset that I wasn't making my my typical innuendo kind of thing and so and he wasn't upset for himself he was upset for me because he could see that I wasn't myself if that makes any sense and I uh I guess I should just come right out and say it absolutely no interest whatsoever in masturbation and that is a pretty routine thing with me. Um, we'll, we'll have that discussion yet on another episode. If, if I can get to a masturbatory episode, that should be very fun. Um, but when I'm in, like I said, when I'm having a depressive episode, the things that interest me still interest me. So when I'm having a depressive episode... I'll still masturbate if, you know, if the mood strikes me, and usually it does, because I'm a creature of habit. Um, but when I'm in the black, no, absolutely not. There is no need for sexual release. There is no need to masturbate. There is, there, there is nothing but the black. I just feel... When I'm in this place, that there is nothing, nothing there for me. And you know the scary thing about it, there are several scary things about it. And we've talked, I've talked for almost an hour at this point, and I haven't even gotten to the the worst parts of it. So I definitely am going to have to do some editing and and um um. When I am in that place I call the black, nothing holds any interest for me, except maybe crying, and that's because nothing holds interest for me. So see, that's a vicious circle. The scariest thing for me to admit about this deep, dark, insidious, nasty depression that I go through, the, the, what I call the black, um, is that it takes over. It is almost an entity. It's not. I do not have multiple personality disorder, anything like that. So the black is just a thing. I get that. But it is also something that attaches itself to me like a, like a parasite that, that's what depression is. I, I consider depression to be just a huge parasite. The scary thing, I think the scariest thing, there, there are two of these things. Okay, the first is I can't ask for help. I need help, but the depression will not let me ask for it. It makes me doubt myself. Who wants to help you? You're not worth it. You, you, you imbecile. They're going to look at you and laugh. Nobody wants to help you. Nobody wants you around. Why would they want you around? This is what depression does. So I cannot ask for help. It won't let me. I've tried. I think being a mother... Going through pregnancy, having a C-section, being a mother for umpteen thousand years. That is easier to me than asking somebody to help me with my depression when I'm going through it. And the worst part of that, the worst part 
is that depression fools you and it that black wraps you up in it like a little blanket till you just wallow you just wallow in it you can't ask for help and it's so goddamn comfortable there you never want to leave that's what depression is. This is why people check out. Okay. So. Again, I'm sorry for all the crying. Uh, this has been very, very, very difficult for me. I really, really hope nobody out there is going through this. I really hope that. I, I want everyone out there to be happy and whole and healthy in mind and body and spirit but if you're not it's okay to ask for help depression does not want you to think that depression wants you to think you're a fuck up but you're not you deserve help and you deserve happiness so, if you, you don't even have to be experiencing situational depression, you can just go into that deep, dark abyss, that black, that, that, uh, what is it, the major depressive disorder, that just sounds so clinical, um, but you can have that without stepping stones, you can just automatically be plunged into that. And sometimes it's hard to tell uh, because you're in it and your friends are looking at you like, well, I don't want to ask her, you ask her, I don't want to ask her, you ask her. And nobody asks you anything. That's why you see all these commercials about uh, the awkward silence and, and everything. And it is better to ask. It really is. And it's better if somebody asks you to be honest and say, you know, yeah, I'm having some issues. But here are some, some little uh, hints that you might not be your normal self, I guess. Um, are you enjoying eating? Or are you just eating for fuel? Do you normally enjoy eating? Are you a person that loves food? Um, the reason that I ask this is I'm very overweight. I like food and I like certain kinds of food. And when I'm in the black, I don't eat. So take that as you will and apply it to yourself. Uh, you might not be a person who likes food, so that may not apply to you. You may, you may be just the kind of person that eats to fuel your body and that's it. So look at your food intake and how you're enjoying it and so on and so forth use that use your own judgment are there things that you normally enjoy doing hobbies that you have little little loves little things that you look forward to on a daily basis for an example i am a pot smoker i have my medical marijuana card i'm good um not in the state of tennessee but anyway uh, one of the things that I have always, well, not always, but since I've started smoking pot, I really enjoy packing the bowl of my pipe and smelling the pot, choosing the pot, because like I said, I've got my, my medical marijuana card. I have different strains of marijuana that I can choose from, and I go depending on what I want to feel. So one of my, one of my little enjoyments every single day, I love to pack my pipe, I, to pack the bowl of my pipe is just, it's fun. I like to smell the pot. I like to get it out. I like to, you know, put just the right amount in. I like that, that first inhale, you know, I like everything about it. But when I am in the black, I don't even smoke pot. That tells me something right there because I enjoy smoking pot. Um, I, I smoke pot for anxiety, for depression. I, I smoke pot for my physical pain, which we haven't even touched on yet. And when I am in the 
throes of that deep, dark depression, I'm not even interested. Don't do it. I, I just, I, I don't smoke pot, which, okay, fine, whatever. Liquids. I find myself often dehydrated when I'm in the throes of depression, when I'm in the black, as I say. Um, I, I do. I find myself getting dehydrated because I don't drink enough liquid. Let's see. What else? Some of the things that I enjoy. I like to read in my spare time. And I'll, I'll find myself just staring at the same page on a book, just staring a hole through it. It's not like I've read and have to reread what I've read because I didn't absorb it. It's that I'm just staring at it. And it, it could be a book that I've read before. I, I reread books. So it could be a book that I know is good. You know, whether it's a romance or a, a scary or, you know, a political thriller, whatever. Uh, but it, it doesn't matter what the plot is. I've tried all different ones when I'm in the throes of depression. And none of them interest me. So that's music is another one. I, I've always been a person who was able to shake off a mood when I would play certain kinds of music. Like, oh, I remember, you know, I used to get mad at somebody and I would get in my car and I would listen to, you know, some headbanging metal. And by the time I would get back to my house, you know, or, or to work or, or wherever I was off to, I'd feel more myself. Well, guess what? When I'm in the black, music doesn't matter. I, I, I don't want it. I don't care. The fact that it's out there, I realize that. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, whatever. So those are some of my tells. And another big one, and this one I think is fairly common for most people that suffer situational depression and major depressive disorder is the amount of sleep that you want. You feel like you could just sleep all the time and sometimes you do and there's nothing wrong with that because your body needs it but at the same time your body needs it because it's depressed. It's going through something. Your mind is going through something that needs help. And again, that's, you know, these are my tells. But you, you might have some of your own tells. So I urge you to look at your own behavior. If you think that you might be depressed or suffer from major depressive disorder, I urge you to look at your behavior and maybe talk to your friends and say, you know, have you noticed that I've been doing this or have I seemed off to you? And hopefully that will spark enough of a discussion that you and your friends can maybe get some help for you. Okay. One of the things that I forgot, and I've noticed this, uh, with other people that I've spoken with who also suffer from major depressive disorder. One of my tells and also one of their tells is cold. Even in the middle of summer when it's, you know, 99 degrees and 100% humidity, you could sit there and be shivering under a blanket with sweatpants on and a sweatshirt and a hoodie, actually, um, and you—you—it's a bone deep, soul deep cold. You can't get warm. You could take a hot shower and it might help, or a hot bath and it might help, or like I said, go out in the sun it might help. But if you're if you're cold down to your very soul or that's how it feels, that might be a sign that you've got something going on that could point toward depression. Just be aware of it. Another thing that I don't know exactly how to even go into this. There was something, a phenomenon several years ago. I, I think it was a book called Love Languages, 
and again, I don't know. I don't have notes in front of me, and I'm I'm very sorry about that. Um, but there are apparently five love languages, and I couldn't even tell you what most of them are. I know that there are uh, deeds of service, I think, you know, if you want somebody to do something for you or you like doing something for other people. And then one is physical affection. And the reason that I know these are when I took the little test to find out what my top love languages were, it was these two things, physical touch and deeds and service, deeds of service. I can't remember what, how it's worded, but physical touch for me is something that is so profound that when I don't have physical touch, I feel like a plant that's in need of water, that is about to die from lack of water. So physical touch is very important to me. So a lot of the time, if I'm, even when I'm just feeling down and somebody hugs me or reaches out and pats my shoulder or holds my hand for two seconds, or gives, God help me, gives me a hug. I love hugs. Um, that usually bursts, bursts, boosts my spirit. I'll never forget several years ago, uh, when I first started going into the black, I didn't know what was going on at the time, and I really thought I was going crazy. I really did. I uh, was talking to a friend of mine and some mutual friends of ours. There were three of us in this scenario that were three people in this scenario that were talking to me. So four of us all total. The two young ladies that were there, uh, one of the people was Miles. He's my best friend. Uh, Miles and Michelle are my two best friends, my best M's. So Miles was there this day. And then there were two young ladies who shall remain nameless. I, I don't want to say their names. Um, but I was just getting to know them. And I will never forget, never forget, the girls were about to leave. And one of them had gone to the bathroom and I was sitting on the couch and she came back into the living room and she just reached out and held my hand. And that's all she did. But that's what I needed. And I've never forgotten that. And I've never forgotten that feeling that it gave me. And it almost, almost gave me buoyancy, if that makes sense. You know, talking about the the being in something. And I, I don't know if this whole thing is going to make any sense when I'm done with it. I really hope that it does. Um... There is also, I, uh, I'm going to pull my phone out here. Bear with me. One of the things that I have recently found, and I'm going to share this with you, is a text line. Because most of, I, I know when I am feeling the way that I've described as being in the black, when I'm that way, I don't want to talk. I'll text but I don't want to talk. I don't want to see anyone. I don't, I just want to curl into a ball and, and not move and not talk, but I'll text. That doesn't require very much movement at all. It requires my thumbs, right? So there is a crisis text line. The number is 741741. And all you need to do is text the word HOME, H-O-M-E. Now, it says, how does it work? I'm going to read this to you. <clears throat> how does it work? Number one, first, you're in a crisis. Crisis just, I'm sorry, crisis doesn't just mean thinking about ending your own life. It's any painful emotion at any time you need support. So you text us at 741741. Your opening message can say anything. Keywords like home, start, and hello just help us identify how people hear about us. Two, the first two responses are automated. 
they tell you that you're being connected with a crisis counselor and invite you to share a bit more. The crisis counselor is a trained volunteer, not a professional. They can provide support, but not medical advice. Number three, it usually takes less than five minutes to connect you with a crisis counselor. It may take longer during high traffic times. When you've reached a crisis counselor, they'll introduce themselves, reflect on what you've said, and invite you to share at your own pace. Four, you'll then text back and forth with the crisis counselor. You never have to share anything you don't want to. The crisis counselor will help you sort through your feelings by asking questions, empathizing, and actively listening. Five, the conversation typically ends when you and the crisis counselor both feel comfortable deciding that you're in a cool, safe place. I don't know why they had cool there, but they did. Okay. After the conversation, you'll receive an optional survey about your experience. About your experience. This helps us help you and others like you. Six, and this is the last number. All right. The goal of any conversation is to get you to a calm, safe place. Sometimes that means providing you with a referral to further help, and sometimes it just means being there and listening. A conversation usually lasts anywhere from 15 to 45 minutes. So again, this is 24-7. This is, let's see, the U.S. and Canada is 741-741. Let's see, in the United Kingdom, it is 85258. In Ireland, you can text 50808. You can sign up. Let's see, there's also a number here for California, which is the same as the U.S., 741741. And if you would like that website, it's crisistextline.org. Uh, I think this is a very, very hopeful and helpful situation. I have not used it, but the fact that I am aware of it is wonderful because I think that is what you need when you're in a situation like this and you don't feel like bugging your friend because my friend won't understand my friend doesn't get it uh, they they don't have depression they just they understand what it's like to be a little bit depressed honey I know I know thank you guys for listening thank you very much for your patience with my um, difficulty in expressing myself Thank you so much for any help that you can give to anyone. Just thank you for listening. Um, and the next time you're here, hopefully we'll have a nice sexy conversation. So meet me back here again at Slut Radio, my friends. This is Mama J. Have a great day. Bye-bye. <laughs>